got a reader mail question for you, and he asked, "Do I uh, was it? Do Irish Jedi's wear underwear under their robes?" Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. It's usually Star Wars themed underwear. <laughs> Very fitting. For those who don't know, I saw that thumbnail where you were in a <laughs> Jedi outfit. Yeah. So I know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I wear it sometimes in my videos. So like, you know, it's it's more like when I'm, ha- you know, when you're having a lazy day and it's like, it's cold out and you don't really want to change into clothes. I just put the hood, uh, Jedi robe on. I have a Sith one and a Jedi one and I just rock that in my videos. Yeah, I'm always just rocking the white shirt, but I'm not in a, you're apparently in a, a shed away from, <laughs> to keep the noise down. So I imagine you need the robe to cross over there in Ireland. Yeah, well, it's it's that, and it's I I don't know how cold it gets there, but it it can be pretty cold. Not as cold as Ireland. <laughs> yeah, well, it I yeah, it's about it's about twelve degrees all year round here, so um, which is twelve degrees Celsius. So I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but uh, it's it's not t-shirt weather. Uh, no. Yeah, and then it gets down to like minus five, which is something about forties or fifties or something. I'd imagine uh, Fahrenheit. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's about where it is. Yeah. What you got to do is you just need to take some of those leftover Vega cards and Polaris <laughs> cards and let them mine next to you during the winter. And well, it'll be very warm. Yeah, you won't yeah. be making much money anymore, though, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll yeah, let you, you in on that. Have you wrapped up your uh, mining operation? Nope. Still over there. Still got three Vegas mining there, three Vegas in the other room. I've turned off. I've sold all my Polaris cards except for a 560 I'll keep for benchmarking. Mm-hmm. And I kept a 380 as well. So I had one 28 nanometer card still running too. Yeah, I've sold all my stuff. I pretty much have nothing left. Just what I what I used to record videos. That's it. I had I was building PCs during the, the we can't afford to build PCs era and selling them to people who needed PCs, basically. Yeah, there was about a two-year period where yeah. you could almost speculate on GPU prices like it was grain or some other commodity. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, you yeah. could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I told you the story of the R the R nine two ninety Xs. I had like seven or eight of them. Or something yeah, that's like that. right. Yeah, yeah, and I bought up yeah. Vegas too, and then sold them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's it's funny that it's nearly, it's nearly like gambling on the stock market, really, wasn't it? Buying mm-hmm. GPUs back then. Yeah, they still hold their prices significantly better, I find, than they did. 10 years ago, I think. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't remember GPUs holding their prices that much back, but you're still selling cards for that are four years old for hundreds of dollars sometimes. Well, the the issue is the performance hasn't gotten much better. Like an R9 290X yeah. is still an RX 580, basically. So like if you've got an R9 290X, you're still playing at 1080p 60 pretty much everything. So the only issue is the, the four gigabytes of RAM. But other than that, it's got that bandwidth to make up for the lack of memory. So yeah, like I, just just so people know what I'm talking about, back in 2014, me and my brother were mining. That was the Litecoin mining craze, and uh, I could get a seven. We got there was a guy we got like seven nine fifties for a hundred dollars each in 2014. And for those wondering, those were 400 cards at launch just a year or two before. So that yeah, I mean that would be like getting a 1070 for a hundred dollars. Right yeah, now, exactly. Actually. Yeah. That's what that would be like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It never really happened this time around. It was weird. I thought it was really going to happen. I thought you're going to see Vegas for like 150, 200 quid. And it, it, I think they just stayed profitable enough just for some people to keep on keep hold of them. And we never really got that super huge flood that we got the last time. Because like yep. I, I was buying, in, in, in 2014, I was buying uh, 290Xs for, for 150, 200 yes. quid. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they they were they were 450 500 euro. No, they're yeah. 450 euro so about $500 or something at launch. So well, well, like I said, I'm still mining. Um, it, it is still profitable for me where I live in the Midwest here. Uh, actually, I think the energy where I live is like 0. 0.06 kilowatt hour. Oh, so that's actually rivaling China mining. Yeah, that's uh, that's very cheap. It's 12 cents, 12 cents a kilowatt hour. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's very, very good. Uh, so it, it doesn't make sense to build a mining rig, but if I have three-year-old Vegas, I might as well keep them pumping. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least we don't live in places like Australia or like Germany. Germany's apparently really bad for the energy prices as well. Like it's, I don't know, 22 cents or something like that. Imagine living there. Yeah, they buy their energy from France, actually. They pipe in nuclear energy across <laughs> long, long cables, which is hilarious because they don't, they're like against nuclear energy and then they just <laughs> buy from France anyway. So I guess they're not. Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. against using oil and they just buy oil from Russia. But we don't need yeah, to get it. No, we don't need it. It's nice not. to be against things and then still end up buying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. France opposes everything Russia does, but it builds battleships for them. It's kind yeah, of Yeah, it builds yeah. battleships for them. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this was supposed to be about ray tracing. So hopefully people don't go blue in the face about it because it occurs to me, I my last... I guess by the time this comes out, two weeks ago, there was a Cortex ray tracing podcast. And then one that comes out in a few days as of this recording, which is the 22nd, uh, will be me and Dan talk about ray tracing for about a fourth of it. And I guess now here's another one where at least one of the main subjects is ray tracing. But yeah, uh, I just did a video today, actually. about. I saw that. I, I watched parts of it. I mean, it was... Yeah, I mean, it's you were talking about the die size and how NVIDIA is kind of screwing themselves. I think where we should start is what your initial reaction was at the original Turing announcement back in 2018. Right? That was, yeah, it was 2018. Well, like, before, I think you have to go back like about seven or eight months before that. Mm -hmm. And you've seen these renders of DXR and everything DXR was supposed to be. And you're seeing these still images of like dwarfs with like light being diffused underneath their skin and like, you know, the proper refractions of light and things looking really real and real time renders of, of people in mocap suits being rendered as if they, and they you could, it's very hard to tell the difference between the actor and the, you know, the actual render. It was very good. It was still a bit of the uncanny valley, but it was breaking that uncanny canny valley. So I expected that's what ray tracing was going to be. Every, I think everybody expected this is what ray tracing mm-hmm. is going to look like. And then you get, um, well, everything's going to look like it's a mirror. And um, by the way, we're jacking up our prices by 50 to 50 to 70 percent, which that infuriate. Like I've never gotten so angry on a video yet. <laughs> I think that was the one like I'm known for losing my temper. And that was the one I completely lost my shit. Like I went crazy because I was like, this is insane. We've gone through a mining cra- mining craze where nobody could afford mm-hmm. to buy GPUs. And now which we're s- wanted. Yeah, that gives them an excuse for people to forget old prices, I think. Yeah, yeah. And now we're seeing these crazy jacked up prices. I cannot believe this. Uh, nobody's going to be able to, and it basically, and I was like, nobody's going to use it because it's going to affect, all, I, I, was, I think I was one of the first people before we even seen what the frame rate was. I was one of the first people who said, this is going to make your frame rate tank <laughs> and you're going to run it at 1080p. Like that was what I said. And, you know, because everyone's like, oh, but it's got dedicated hardware. It's got dedicated hardware. And I was like, yes, the dedicated hardware is for actually doing the denoising and, you know, in interpreting where the rays are. But you still need standard shaders to paint that stuff on the screen. So it's going to it's going to really tank your your performance. 
And that's something I've explained a million times to people is that it's never going to get better. They built these cards for professional users to run it, it, running at 16 frames while you're putting together some scene for a professional workload is fine. 16 frames is fine to hover your camera around the room and work on stuff. And it's never been built to go above really 24. So if people are wondering why or when, it's like the only way it would ever even get close to 60 frames at any resolution is if it's dumbed down to a ridiculous level. It's never, it's built to run at 30 or less. Yeah, that's the issue. That, like those, those images we've seen before ray tracing was launched, like uh, ray tracing, you know, before RTX was launched, was probably using millions more rays mm-hmm. than are actually in the games that are being ray, uh, ray traced now. And if, if what, I, what I always say is I think if you want to look at where a graphics card needs to be for ray tracing to become ubiquitous, it needs to be a 2080 Ti at 250 quid. And that's this entry point in where ray tracing starts mm-hmm. to become appealing, you know. And and that's the problem. The, 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 and, and Jensen likes to tell you that you need to buy these cards. You have to buy these cards. You should buy these cards uh, because, you know, they're going you, without buying them without ray tracing hardware is silly. And I'm like, yeah, OK, that's good. But the only one you should buy then if you're using that is the 2080 Ti because everything else won't do ray tracing in the future. It's just not going to be strong enough. No, it, it's not going <laughs> to be strong <laughs> enough. And I had a uh, giant video I did uh, this week too, where it was, I don't know if you saw it, but it like starts with a old timey footage from the twenties of someone, you know, trying to make one of those experimental airplanes and like going off a cliff. And I put like an NVIDIA card on it. <laughs> and then I fade to black and fade in and show RDNA 2.0 with a jet sound. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, um, and some of that comes from what Cortex said, which I, I think his analogy was perfect. He I listened to yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is, you know, for those who haven't heard it, it's a flying car. It's like if NVIDIA said the future is flying cars, so we put wings on our car. So why would you buy the competition's car? It doesn't matter. It can only fly for five seconds. If you go off a cliff, you're still going to crash and die. <laughs> but then reviewers said you can't buy AMD's cars because they don't have wings. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much exactly what was happening. And, um, you know, using it as a... as an, an, it's, it's, like, it's like the dual axial fan thing, right? So... I basically fixed my 5700 XT. I stuck washers underneath it. I put proper thermal paste on it. But it doesn't matter if that, even if that cooler came the way it works now, the, the 5700 XT is cooler. Because mm-hmm. even if it comes really, really wet, like works really well, keeps the card cool, doesn't make any noise, it doesn't matter. Because as long as it doesn't do that, as long as it doesn't have two fans, Reviewers who are already biased towards NVIDIA are going to say that it should have these things and recommend other cards because of that fact. So therefore, it's the issue with ray tracing is AMD have to do it even though they know it's not ready yet because if they don't, reviewers will just give them an unfair shout. So I I don't know what they're going to do in the future or how they're going to implement ray tracing, but I don't know whether you've seen the the um, Minecraft, somebody, uh, an independent <laughs> developer has has made a, a version of That was Minecraft. a big part of my video, yeah. Yeah, made an independent work on, work on the 5700 XT and it works off 50, 60 frames per second without any dedicated hardware. So I that could be the way AMD do it. Or they could use custom ASICs, like you're always saying, or custom uh, silicon of, what, of some description. 
Uh, I had a lot of people get mad at part of my video because I said, here it is right now, the 5700 XT is ray tracing, you know, 60% as well as the 2080 Super, and this is just some mod a guy made. And this showing you don't need any of this dedicated hardware, at the very least, the dedicated hardware isn't as much of an accelerator as you would want it to be or think, or NVIDIA makes it out to be. They said, well, that's not fair because this isn't Minecraft ray tracing. They use some kind of like, I guess, hybrid path tracing thing mm. to simulate ray tracing. And that's why it runs well. And NVIDIA's will be much more impressive. And I'm like, will be? It's not out yet. And I looked it up. Yeah. TBA 2020 when <laughs> uh, the Minecraft RTX comes out. And I'm like, see, but this is my entire point. My entire point is if you want ray tracing now, it's not even using NVIDIA's hardware. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's so dumb. And we don't, and we already know multiple devs are canceling ray tracing support. We know that um, the Gears of War 5 dev just said ray tracing will be huge, but not on PC. And he's excited about it for consoles. Like, this is like the, by the time Minecraft RTX actually comes out, Next gen and RDNA 2.0 could be here. And by then, those are going to be running ray tracing significantly better than this card you bought two years ago for double the price of usual that only ever got to run demos. It's and that's my point. It will Turing cards will only ever run demos. Do not get them to run games. That's not going to get better. This is the peak of NVIDIA's um support. This is not the start. This is the peak. <laughs> this is as good as it gets, guys. Yeah, Battlefield I, I, Five at thirty frames—that's the best. <laughs> I think that is. Um, it's like it's like um, there's like three types of gamers out there. Uh, there's guys who just buy two hundred and fifty quid cards, and they buy maybe every two years they buy a new two hundred and fifty quid card, sell their card for hundred quid, and there they go. And then you've got like guys who buy four hundred quid cards, and they they probably keep their cards for you know. Uh, a while as well, but they'd probably keep them for longer. And then you've got the the, yes. top, the top end guys who buy the unbelievably top end things, and they either they they either do one of two things: they upgrade every year, selling their card and offsetting it, or they keep it for ages. Ever, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, I that, think I'm in the middle there. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the I'm the uh, seventy class card uh, upgrade every two years kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So, like, I before before. Like I basically I've because I did so many so much fiddling in the last year with graphics cards. I don't want to talk about the last year, but before that, I was running a two ninety X, and then I went up to a ten seventy. So two ninety X to ten seventy. That was my upgrade path, and I was waiting for a Vega fifty six, but you couldn't get one. So I'm sorry, I have yeah. four. <laughs> yeah, you're probably the one that bought them all. I have Paul's <laughs> Vega fifty six. I got one. But, uh, I got one after that though. I, I did. I got one, and I got a Vega sixty four, and I got a. Ready on seven, and I, when you have a YouTube channel, I, I find buying hardware gets you a few view, view a few views, which is useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think what you were about to say, though, is those people who might have bought a 2080 Ti when they would usually buy a $700, but now it's $1,200 2080 Ti, they might have expected to keep that forever. And we're here to tell you, I, uh, yeah, that's not going to... You remember Kepler? Yeah. I, I, I'm starting to worry. Someone brought that up comparing Turing to Kepler, and I'm like, I don't know that anything could ever age as badly as Kepler, but it's an interesting idea to think about it if you think about the ray tracing aspect, how Turing might fall off a cliff in frame rate because of ray tracing at some point. Yeah, like Kepler is a disaster in the fact that if you go back to like 
the games of that era, it runs really well. And then you put it in any modern title mm-hmm. and it just has no... It's like, hello, no, I'm going to run slower than a 1050, a GTX 1050 Ti. Like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And when you think of the amount of stream processors that CUDA cores that card has, like 2,800 mm-hmm. CUDA cores, and it's massive. And you're like, why is it so slow? Well, it's be- it's slow because... Unlike AMD, who gave you because gave you support over maybe seven or eight years of GCN, NVIDIA decided, okay, right, well, that didn't work. It's really inefficient. We're going to go to a different architecture. We're going to move to Maxwell, and everything's going to be optimized for that now. And bang, it, overnight, your card was shitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's an important distinction because people, I see a lot of tech tubers go, like trying to disprove the entire of NVIDIA gimping. We're not saying NVIDIA's gimping Kepler. We're just saying it's a complex architecture and they're not putting in enough effort to make it last long. And Kepler, from what I've been told by architects, actually requires a lot of little, like they basically fix Fermi, which was horribly inefficient, <laughs> but it was an overly complex you know, it's almost like a German car where it runs really well as long as you give it maintenance every month. Yeah, exactly. And it, they 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 fixed it and then they just let it die. And I was like, why? It had so much more room. Like if you look at the tw- the, the 780 Ti reviews versus versus like, or even the 970 reviews, the 780 Ti was faster than the 970. And then like six months later, it's just slower. And there's no if, ands, or what's about it. It's slower. And I got in an argument with a couple of people in my Discord about that because they were like, well, hasn't GCN caught up to Maxwell a bit? And I'm like, well, yeah, GCN always ages well, but it, not the way it caught up to Kepler. Kepler fell off a cliff by the time Maxwell came out. It was already a joke. I mean, you already had the, by the time the 980 came out, uh, the 780 Ti was already close to a 7970. And the 290X was clearly ahead when just one year before they were neck and neck. Well, like if you're one of those people who believes all this stuff, right, and you like to go into these, uh, you know, uh, this was this and this was that, right? This is fact. The 290X is essentially a 390X with eight gigabytes of RAM. It's mm-hmm. 5% faster, maybe, maximum. Everybody recommended the, the 970 over the, <laughs> over the 290X, right? Everybody, everybody and their grandmother recommended it, right? But if you look at the 290X compared to the 780 Ti, the 780 Ti was recommended by everybody over the 290X at launch, mm-hmm. right? So now if you just go and watch, go to Jay's Two Cents and watch his review of a 390X, he'll tell you hands down by a 390X, it's faster than the 970. And to me, I'm like, well, okay, well, how is it faster than a 970 if a 780 Ti was faster at launch? This makes no sense. Yeah. And the 970, <laughs> as much as I have problems with it for lying about how much RAM it has, it's still up there just below like a 390. It's lost some performance relative to its GCN counterparts, but only like 10%. And it's still very, you know, it still only uses like 120 watts. It's still a very efficient card. Whereas if you go to the 780 Ti, it used to be around a 290. It's not close to a 290 anymore, guys. It's not even in 10, 20, 30% within it. And that thing is pulling like 280 watts and it's hilarious. Like I can't imagine someone still gaming with that card sucking energy and then yet it's weaker than like a 1050 Ti. Well, I had one. Well, I didn't have a 780 Ti. I had a, a Titan recently. 
uh, the original okay. Titan, which is the same card with six with six yeah, gigabytes yeah. of RAM. And um, yeah, the, the six gigabytes of RAM made it usable. I think three gigabytes of RAM is probably not usable, but it's still a terrible, terrible, terrible experience. Like you're better off buying a 1050 Ti. 1050 Ti is actually, if you want to know where it performs, it performs like a 1050 Ti. And the 290X, as I said before, performs like an RX 580. So there's yeah. the difference in performance. And the 970, well, that used to be it's still just below a 570. So it's lost a little relative, but it's not below the 1050 Ti. <laughs> and I don't think that's going to happen until, and people said that too. Like, well, I don't, I mean, NVIDIA is still selling Pascal cards, a lot of them. They're still using Pascal and some of their mobile MX250s and stuff. Like, there's a reason they do that. They take up no die space, and it is still an efficient architecture relative to Turing for how much space it uses. So I don't think that's fallen off a cliff until 2021. I mean, by the time the next-gen consoles come out with all of their computer capabilities, yeah, I mean, it might start to fall apart. But it always will have that brute force FP32 performance that Maxwell and Pascal can do well. And that's always going to give it some longevity. In my video today, I did I, I explained how uh, as you scale up touring, right, or shrink touring, uh, mm -hmm relative to AMD's new RDNA architecture. You can see with Pascal, Maxwell, you can see as you scale that up in transistors, just sheer transistor count, it lines up almost linearly with the performance yeah. difference between cards. Now, it don't, that only works if you match up the, the top-end skew because let's say a 970 and a 980, they're about 104 dies. The 970 and the 980 have the same amount of transistors, just they're all turned off on the 970. Well, yeah, still of course. Sure. So I'm talking about the top skew in each in each chip. Like so, you know, the 102 dies, the amount of transistors, nearly linearly. So if you look at the the use of 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 die area, AMD right now are going to get massive return on an increasing die space, whereas mm -hmm. Nvidia get ex, uh, uh, like like almost exponentially less performance increase from adding more transistors because a lot of those transistors have to be FB32 cores and FB16 cores are our inch shaders. And then they have to add the, the RT cores and the tensor cores as well, which are just transistors. That's what they are. At the end of the day, fundamentally, they're mm -hmm. transistors. So about 60% about of their SM is swallowed up by all that stuff. Uh, well, actually, more more or less the in shaders, which is the the big one. That's the about fifty percent of the dice in shaders, or fifty percent of the SM. So, as Nvidia scale up, they're not going to get smaller to get more performance. They're going to have to get even bigger than they had to before mm -hmm. to get more performance. So they're going to have to change something because otherwise, it's not going to be scalable for them in the future. And more transistors equals more power usage. By the way, it's, that's the way it works. Yeah, and the funny thing is. For a while now, people have been asking me, um, when do you think they're going to TSMC 7 nanometer? And I'm like, well, I'm not sure they are because I don't think the reticle limit's big enough. And then, uh, and this was like two months ago, I started looking at other options and I saw that Samsung's um, EU, 7 nanometer EUV has a reticle limit of 858 millimeters squared. And I'm like, they're going to Samsung, guys. They're definitely going to Samsung because that's even bigger than what they can do now. Yeah, 100%. That's what they want. They want to make big dies and they can charge whatever they want for it and they know they can charge whatever they want for it. So it doesn't matter what size the die is. They just increase the price. Sure, the customer's going to pay it, not them. So mm -hmm. whereas AMD, unfortunately, are not that are not that company. They're not capable of doing that. That's why they always go node first. Rather. Not yet. <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet. But uh, yeah, they, they, just, they just have to go those dice because they have no other way to get more performance. They're going to have to scale up. Like I was the one... 
uh, before touring even launched, before we knew it was called touring, before RTX, people were asking me, what, what do you see? How do you see NVIDIA making a massive leap forward with this architecture because it's been two years? And I was like, no, not at the top end, I don't. Because at the top end, they're going to have to massively increase shaders or they're going to have to massively increase clock speed. And we know they're not going to seven nanometer. So I don't see clock speed going up. And we know that they're um, that they've made massive dyes already. And mm-hmm. but, you know they're not, not going to be make, able to make them any bigger. And in fact, they shrunk their dive compared to when you talk to talk about um, uh, Titan V. So the Titan V's die is mm-hmm. bigger. Is bigger, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has f- over five thousand cubed, of course. Five thousand one hundred and something, yeah, yeah. And they can go up to five thousand three hundred and seventy-six. They've just never released the full Volta because I'm sure they always want to disable one for yields. Yeah, because it's so goddamn massive. Oh, it's enormous! It's enormous. But which, if you think about it, I looked at. Uh, I, I actually did the math once. I think they. Uh, I think they only make like sixteen of those per wafer or something like that. That's how big they are. What? Like no, or thirty-two. Yeah. Well, was... you think about it. Uh, if it's a 200 millimeter diameter, like I actually realized it was like, oh, there's only like 16 or 32 of those per one of those wafers. Well, they only have to get three back. So they only have to sell three yeah. to make, to make the, because the, I think 12 nanometer is about nine grand per wafer. So they only have to sell three realistically to make a profit. So it, yeah, it makes sense, I suppose. Which is insane when you think about that, when you're used to seeing so many little dies on a wafer and you just look at that, there's just like 16, <laughs> like four by four or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then all of that dead air, the, the, people don't realize that the bigger the die is, you've got more dead area yeah. at the side as well. Which is, if you, if you decrease the resolution of your dots, if you just imagine dies as dots, then you're going to get a lot more dots around the edge that are um, usable. So it's just, it's an insane waste of silicon. But look, NVIDIA. But yeah, I, I'm sure it's going to be 5, 10% bigger on 7 nanometer. And they'll, they'll uh, well, we'll see. I'm not sure how much more they can really charge at this point. But, um, you know, I, I guess I want to bring it back to the future of their uh, ray tracing as well. Because look, they're going to do some way where there's lineage to Turing. Because they wouldn't get these in the hands of developers unless they were trying to prep them for their next architecture. Which is what they're doing. You're providing beta hardware where millions of people can test their SDKs and stuff before their next gen. But the next gen, like like I, I was reached out to by a developer, or, or no, by an engine architect game engine architect after I made my last ray tracing video. And he said, you're dead on that. There's a decent chance uh, Vega may end up getting more ray tracing support in two years than Turing just because it's not any easier. He says it's NVIDIA's software is so complex that they don't have anything for Vulkan or any of these newer APIs. And it's a mess to program with. And all game engine developers know that it's a waste of time because it doesn't run well and it's not going to be the standard. They're just waiting for the next-gen consoles to look at the next standard. And in fact, he said, um, let's see, that to you could get like two, four times better ray tracing performance out of NVIDIA's implementation now than you can just brute forcing on a Radeon 7 or something. But to do that, you'd basically have to build an entire game engine around the way NVIDIA does ray tracing. And guess what? We're not building it around one architecture, an architecture that's not even selling as well as Pascal. Yeah, of course. And I think if you look at the way uh, NVIDIA do ray tracing with fixed function hardware, developers hate fixed function hardware because it locks them into a box. Exactly. And they keep hating it more. <laughs> they want to sell their game to as many people as possible. 
And if it's if it's if you're locking yourself into a box where you can only sell to a certain amount of people, that's not good for developers. Developers like so the best standard will be the open standard that's been gonna gonna be open to everybody and free to use for everybody, and everybody's gonna have it. And that will be the, the console's implementation of ray tracing. Yeah, and I noticed this like phases of like RTX lies that I wrote down here. First, it's going to be amazing and look at all of our support. And then the next phase was, okay, it's only in a few AAA games and they run like junk, but we're going to fix it with a patch to Battlefield 5. And the phase we're in now is, well, wait for all of the indie ray tracing games. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm sure, um, like they said, I think they are kind of rebuilding the Minecraft engine to run on NVIDIA's RTX. I'm sure that will be the one well-running ray tracing game. It'll probably look amazing and run well. but. By the time that comes out, it's the fourth phase. All right, the indie games are out, and PS5 comes out in a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's like uh, if you think about a console launch, like usually an unsuccessful console launch nearly lines up exactly with what you've said. It's like, okay, right, we've launched this console. It's amazing. It's wonderful. This is why it's brilliant. Oh, okay, we've made some mistakes. This is how we're going to fix it. And then, uh, you know what, we're just going to leave, leave it up to indie developers to develop for the console. And we're cause, because you can't get developers to develop for it anymore. That's basically what's happened. But they'll say, oh, we're just going to leave it as an indie space. Pretty much like the PS Vita. I have a PS Vita. I was about to uh, say, well, the one console so I think that definitely lines up with that is the Vita, <laughs> yeah. which I also have the Vita. Yeah. Uh, I could do a whole podcast on how Sony seemingly wanted that to fail. Well, all they had to do was give it a proper SD uh, SD card. That's literally a problem <laughs> solved. Yeah, and keep supporting it, and they just and then like a year passed, and they're like, "Yeah, it's great, but uh, we're gonna do absolutely nothing." Also, here's the Vita TV; it can't use Netflix. <laughs> yeah, why can it not use Netflix? Because the Vita can. It's yeah, I know. <laughs> that's the entire point of a like a Roku or a Vita TV would be is to use Netflix. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Sony likes to really come up with amazing stuff and then bungle everything about it after it's out. Yeah, like I had that phone. You remember the phone they had? What was it? The I can't remember what it was called. Was it like an Android phone, and it, it turned into like a Vita or something. You could. Yeah, that was yeah. my first smartphone. That was the first phone that made me get a. That made me say, okay, I'll get this. Yeah, yeah, I had one of them, and they just didn't support it either. No games came out for it, nothing. It was... Yeah, it was fun while I had it, but you only owned phones for one to three years, so at least it was, you know, but it's it, for the Vita, it seems worse because consoles last for five years, and so it's like a ghost town of, well, indie games right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that phone for a steal, actually. When they discontinued it, they fire sailed it. I got it for 150 euro, and I think it was like 500 euro at launch or something. So that was all right, I suppose. Yeah, well, so here's the thing I keep telling people about ray tracing too is um what I've what I've been told is that at the very and I I don't know if they're going to do it the same way, but I know everyone says, well the Gears of War 5 dev was talking about the next Xbox specifically when he said ray tracing is going to be awesome on consoles. And then I also know from other devs that uh the PS5 is supposedly going to be light years better at ray tracing than anything you have now. And that's because at least the way the PS5 is going to do it is with fixed hardware. Like literally an ASIC is going to be on it to accelerate the RDNA chip, which I somewhat imagine is how RDNA 2.0 will work. That's something Cortex has talked about before, the way they would probably do it. It already seems to run okay on Vega. So maybe you just add a small accelerator that already leverages the asynchronous compute and FP16 performance they have, and then kind of just, you know, jump 
light years it and with an ASIC. That would be the way to make use of the die space you already are using. And then there would be some backwards compatibility, frankly, with the old Vega cards. They would just not get that acceleration of the extra chip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's still the best way, best option. Because I think if, in order to make it go faster, you actually do need fixed function hardware. How ironic is that? But um, to um, in order for it to be open and available to everyone, there's going to have to be some backwards compatibility with all, older older architectures. And I don't think I don't see software developers getting on board until that's the, the case. So I think maybe like having different settings, like if you have this, you can turn it on. Very much like it's done in in RTX now. You know, medium, yeah. high, whatever. Um. But yeah, as I said, it's it's uh, it's interesting to see uh, that both the consoles are going to have it, not just one. And it's the, like every, like we know now they're going to have ray tracing. There's no guesswork yeah. anymore. It's it's one hundred percent confirmed that they're it's going to have ray tracing and some sort of ray trace sound as well. I heard. Uh, so ah uh, uh, yeah yeah. So I don't know how that's going to work. And and it's a question now as to whether they're using AMD's custom uh, hardware to do ray tracing or they're using somebody else's custom hardware. Yeah, or yeah, I guess some other chip they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like uh, I know that Lisa Sue has talked multiple times about heterogeneous architectures. And for heterogeneous mm-hmm. is a big word. A lot of people don't know what it means. It means cramming loads of shit together that does different things, basically, mm-hmm. right? All different. So, she, but I haven't seen anything that's heterogeneous from her other than APUs right now. So she says that's the future, but it hasn't happened yet. So it is coming. And I could mm-hmm. only imagine that that would be fixed function hardware on dif- for different things on different dies. And you've seen that leak about uh, the new Epic, the next generation Milan is going to have uh, like 15, uh, 15 yeah. dies instead of uh, whatever, nine now. Yeah, Zen 3 will be very heterogeneous or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> So that could be used for graphics, could be used for for more cores, could be used for on-die cache, all this kind of stuff. So it's very interesting. Well, yeah, and this is way out there, a little off subject, but the um, the podcast I did with that server engineer, he talked about how the the end goal should be a cafeteria system where you order a chip on demand and go, I want this many cores, put this chiplet on the package, I want this much cache, I want, you know, like HBM. I want an APU or I don't want an APU. I'd like to use that extra space to put eight more cores because I don't need an APU on there. And then maybe, yeah, put a ray tracing chip on there, put a tessellation chip on there, put an MSAA chip on there. uh, And then you have it delivered. And the the second they can do that for server orders and then just have a bunch of hoppers spitting them out in whatever configuration, you know, Amazon or something wants would be like a death nail to basically anyone (laughs) the second you can start doing that. And AMD's architecture is designed pretty much the way that you would design an architecture if you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's their end goal with Zen five or Zen four. Yeah, yeah. Even Zen three, why not? Like you know, it's it's there. You've got all these extra dies. Sixty four cores is a lot of cores. If people don't want want more than sixty four cores, yeah, you can have eighty cores. You can have one hundred twenty eight cores, whatever. But if you don't want that, we can give you cash on it. We can give you graphics on it. We can give you whatever you want on it. And you can custom order it to design. And all it takes, the only extra effort it takes us is we can charge you way more for it. <laughs> yeah. If it's not standard. Exactly. And that, Which we'll be happy to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love, I love the fact that like lots of people, like when I do my videos about how bad Intel security flaws are, and people are like, oh, and I'm like, it's just, uh, Intel love this because they get to sell more chips. So <laughs> well, for now they do. Uh, yeah, that netcat security flaw. I first heard about it a week ago because I was sent it from that server contact. I had all this information where he's like, "This one's probably the worst one, actually." 
And I actually got an update from him this morning talking about that. He was like, careful with your video because I'm not sure if it's going to be that bad or it sounds like it is closer to the worst case scenario for how you solve it. Um, there are companies right now air gapping their servers because they can't afford to buy more Intel chips, they said. So they're going to air gap some of their servers and get rid of the mitigations. Yeah, I've, I've had the same, the same message from the same person. I know, the, I know who the server engineer uh-huh. is. Yeah, yeah, I've had the same, exact same uh, information from him. Uh, yeah, it's frightening that this one, this one is, is, is as bad as it is. And I, yeah, I won't go into it. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary, scary, scary stuff. Not for you guys on desktop, though. But yeah. Well, I think this is the straw to break the camel's back there. I think this is, which I, I'm almost surprised it hasn't happened yet, but this is the one where it's literally like, um, yeah, they, they we're done. <laughs> we're switching to AMD. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, we can't. And that's what I made fun of. It's like, don't worry, guys. These aren't sec- big security issues. You just turn off hyper-threading, turn off virtualization, and then it's fine. Your Xeon's a tenth as powerful as it used to be for the task you were using it for, but you just solved it. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. It's grand. Don't you just, yeah, you just have way less threads, way less power, and you can't, you can't make virtual machines anymore. But it's fine. On a chip that's designed to do that, it's fine. You know what I mean? It's like buying a washing machine and being told not to wash your clothes in it. It's such a ridiculous... Yeah. <laughs> You know, well, you can wash your clothes, just only put one article of clothing at a time. And exactly. by the way, it's still going to use the same amount of energy washing one <laughs> that you used to wash a whole load. So have fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this is going to affect gamers, though, I think, because I saw a benchmark recently and it was for a Windows Enterprise build. So, granted, this definitely has all the security mitigations built in. This is not what gamers are using, but he showed a 9900K before the mitigation patches and after all of the ones up to this month. And there were some, especially as you can imagine, RTS games that were running 30% lower frame rates. Like they used to get 160 hertz and now you're getting like 100. Yeah, I can easily see that. Like it's... Like if you you know anything about RTSs, I have an... I I play StarCraft. Mm -hmm. It's my game. And just going from Zen uh, 2 to Zen 3, I went from 80 frames a second to 157 frames a second average. Mm -hmm. Like that's how much an IPC gain does for modern uh, RTSs because they just, they don't use a lot of threads. They just like single, you know, dual threads. Uh, unless you're t- playing Total War or whatever, I suppose that's different. But like Civilization, mm-hmm. all those, they just like one or two threads, happy out, but really fast threads. And they're the type of, type of gamers that are going to see massive, massive performance problems from, from these mitigations. I can't speak to it myself because I don't have an Intel CPU. I haven't had one since... But I still do. <laughs> a year and a half. Yeah. Try and do it. A Windows install without any updates. And see, and then do an update and play StarCraft. Well, so here's the thing. I've noticed it. And it gets better and worse depending on the monthly patches. Because I noticed in Battlefield 5, which does for sure load up the CPU and multiplayer. Like, that's one of the most CPU-intensive games on Earth. Um, and that was one where even Piledriver did well at. Just because it really did use all eight threads all the way back to Battlefield 4. But so I've noticed a 20% performance drop. It used to keep it locked about 144, and then it was running about 110 to 120 a month ago. Now it's back up to about 140, which is good. But that's because they've been slowly making the patches take less performance. But now this is coming, and I, I and I'm sure there. Look, I'm sure there's more coming, and I've come to the conclusion that look, hey, no, I am going to upgrade by Christmas <laughs> or something. I just need you know a week off where I can actually take the time to do it. I just 
Because I, I don't, I, I can't take this anymore. I was like, I don't care. My games still run well. And all my single player games obviously still run well. But I can't take the, this, the performance drops anymore. Even with some non-gaming tasks when I'm multitasking, I have noticed the slowdown. You know, I don't need to test it. I can feel it. I really can feel. And that annoys me when I hear people, oh, 9900K, best gaming processor on earth. I haven't noticed any problems. And it's like, well, then you probably shouldn't have bought a 9900K in the first place. Because I'm telling you, your performance is about 5%, 10% worse already. And if you can't notice it, then I'm not sure... Your GPU, your G, your GPU is not fast enough. If you can't notice the the mitigations, your GPU is not fast enough. Simple as. Uh, but um, or they say they can notice it, and they actually can't. They just wanted a big number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I will say to you though, for your future upgrade, is and I say, I say this to everyone: buy Zen two. And <laughs> well, yeah. I, I just like I know you can get really cheap Zen one parts, and if you're somebody on a budget, absolutely. I know you are not on a budget, Tom. I know you're not. But like, because uh, you were talking about talking about upgrading to Threadripper, and I heard you talking about buying like the cheap Threadripper stuff. Uh, if you're somebody who's gaming and doing videos at the same time, eight cores on Zen Two is absolutely perfect. It's just we'll I have eight cores. like I'm coming from a sixteen <laughs> core down to an eight core, and my computer works snappier. I don't six cores to mm. me wasn't good enough. I had six cores for a while. I used the uh, thirty six hundred while I was doing my review period and stuff. That wasn't enough for me uh, to have lots of mm-hmm. tabs open and and do a bit of video editing and a bit of uh, rendering and stuff. It just wasn't happening. But Eight cores is like the sweet spot, I think. Um, I am going to get the 16 core part, but only for testing, and then it's probably going to get sold again. But yeah, mm-hmm. the like the the eight core part because I think it's perfect. It's absolutely the 3700X is all any gamer ever needs for gaming and doing, you know, productivity as well. Genuinely. Yeah, and it's going to last a very, very, very long time because that's what's in the consoles. I mean, anyone buying. I think the 3600 will be fine too. It's just kind of like you maybe you think of the 3600 as maybe a budget i5 Sandy Bridge, a budget one, the not even the top one because eventually it might not have enough threads, but it, it'll last for years. Uh, and if you don't multitask, it doesn't really matter. It's just the next gen consoles are going to use eight cores. And in fact, the PS5, as usual, I don't know if the Xbox will finally do this, but the PS4, both models, have an ARM processor for background tasks. So when when they say the PS5 is an 8-core, it's like, well, yeah, and it's also only using those 8-cores for gaming. There's literally nothing bogging them down doing anything else. So if you have a 3900 or X or, you know, 3700X, it should last you a very long time. And 3700X, of course, is going to be clocked, you know, 30 40% faster than the next-gen consoles, so you're good. I imagine the PS5 will be the only one to do that because Sony make their own custom so- software. Uh, window like the uh, Xbox yeah. runs Windows, so uh, yes, it can use uh, it can use RISC and CISC CPUs both Windows now, but I I don't see it using uh, being able to use them simultaneously. Do you know what I mean? It's probably a different version of Windows you mm-hmm. have to install for that. So I would imagine that's that's the case. It's just going to use eight cores. Well, that's something people talk about too. Talked about with the Xbox One is they were like, "Well, the Xbox One's processors clock ten percent faster than the PS4," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, I mean, it has to be. Uh, the 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 PS4 has a background ARM processor, and it, at launch, the Xbox One was using one of the cores for Connect and one of the cores for background tasks. Now, eventually, they decided to throw." Uh, connect into the ocean and they freed up that core but they're still running half a core they no, they reserve I think they said technically they reserve 20% of one of the cores still for background tasks whereas Sony just has 7 cores on the base PS4 and 8 cores on the 
Pro, and then they have a background one. And I imagine it'll be a, a similar thing. I, I think now that it will be a full eight cores because the way chiplets work, they don't need to worry about disabling one of the cores for yields. Look, I'm I'm a cons I'm I'm not really a console guy, but if I was, I'd be an Xbox man because I love the controller. But even I can say that objectively, the PS <laughs> the PS4 was a faster console in every way, shape, and form than an Xbox would. In every yeah, way. Yeah, I no could talk else. about that for a while, how it's almost like Microsoft tried to design an expensive, unpowerful console. It was like bizarre when I looked at the specs. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and it's, 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 it was more expensive. It had less features. Uh, it ran Windows, which arguably is a, is a more... <laughs> which is a, more, a huge problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, I think if you're going to run Windows, just turn it into an actual desktop install of Windows. Oh, it's an I x86 know, right? processor. Just do it. Uh, and just say you're selling a gaming box to everybody. And uh, yeah, because they're going down that route now. Like everything is... If, if Windows are, are sharing games on across platforms. They're, they're letting uh, Sony play their games. Everything. They're just sharing it. They're, they've become a software company again, finally. But uh, yeah, like it was just a better, the PlayStation was just a better console. Now, you can change that argument around when you want to talk about the Xbox One X, which they kind of fixed all the, the hardware problems, but they charged you more for it. So, you know. Yeah, it's uh, the, the, I think the PS4 Pro is underestimated in its um, capabilities. Uh, the Xbox One X is stronger, though. Um, that's not an argument. It is stronger, <laughs> you know. Mm. But I think people um, underestimate the fact that the PS4 Pro has FP16. It has, I think, quadruple the asynchronous compute units the Xbox One X has. I mean, you know, it's uh, it, the thing is the Xbox One X has more RAM, though, so it's always going to run at higher resolutions. It's just always going to. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough RAM in the PS4 Pro to do that, but they'll run the same games fine. But the PS4 Pro is cheaper. So, you know, this exactly. is the way. If you're going to make a weaker console, make it cheaper. That was my problem with the original Xbox, was that it was more expensive and it was weaker. This is the problem. Well, they're actually the same price now in America, actually. Oh, are they? Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, they have to. <laughs> <laughs> they have to be the same price to sell it. It's you've lost. They lost the mindshare war, so they just need to reboot it. And that's something I've thought about too with the next gen Xbox. I just can't see them ever taking on Sony head to head. Sony's Sony's won the console war, like, and they figured out how to not be stupid because they were so dumb for a few years there. But the way Microsoft could do like a um, forty chess move, which is what they should do. You never want to just get in a war of attrition. You want to make your own product. And you, you don't want anything me too. You want, this is what we're doing and it's our own thing. And if it competes with them, good. But we're, this is our own. It should never look like you're just trying to do something they're doing better because that's you, you don't lead a market that way. You only try to take part of the pie that they're already going to dominate. But I really think people underestimate how it would make sense for them to just literally run Windows 10 on this thing and make it have it bootable into like a Steam OS Windows mode, that would work fine. And people go, well, then, well, so then it'd be 600. No, it could still be a console's price. The, they would, the whole cost benefit of consoles is that you're buying all the parts at once and mass producing it. So they could just mass produce a custom version of Navi and then literally run Windows on it. And it could literally use Catalyst drivers and it would be fine. It would still be the same thing. And that would be a, you know, if you want a PC that can game well, this is $400 and it's half the price of those other PCs, but it's still a PC. And I think that's a market that's desperate for how terrible prices are right now.
Well, I've done several videos talking about I think that's exactly what the new Xbox will be because they've basically told us they're going to have keyboard mm -hmm. and mouse support. They're sharing their their games across platforms. So in other words, you can just buy a you can have an account where you can just play all of the Xbox exclusive exclusives on PC right now. Uh, you know, they're trying to not differentiate between PC and Xbox. Why not call it an Xbox Surface or something where it's actually a PC? Yeah. You know, it's it's a PC. It's like the Mac, the Mac the Mac Mini, you know, where it's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a personal computer. That's what the Mac Mini is. It's a little box you plug into, you can plug into anything you want and they only sell you the box. They don't sell you a monitor, they don't sell you anything else. That's what it could be and it, it probably will be that because the old, the old Xbox could have been that, they could, they could literally flip mm -hmm. a switch and turn it into that today. They could over air it like into a PC if they wanted to. But they won't because for those people who think that there's some special sauce in in an in an Xbox, it's a PC. That's that was what it funny is. Too. Yeah. yeah, it's a PC. It's a it's a it's an FX A A A. Yeah, even more so than the PlayStation. It really is almost yeah. just PC parts. Yeah, yeah. It's an FX eighty three fifty and like a seventy eight seventy in in a, in a box basically. Yeah, and uh, the thing also with it is, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they could even do upgradable graphics cards in it, but then have it only use Xbox graphics cards. And they could still sell those graphics cards for half the price of other people because they know these 20 million people who own an Xbox, in two years, they're going to want a new graphics card. And this is the only one they can buy. And we know they'll buy them. So you can get 10% margins instead of the Lisa Su 45. Yeah. And imagine the marketing material. Like, you know, mm -hmm. th the way it went with, with, with smartphones is it was first you had a phone, then you had a camera, then you had an MP3 player. And you put them all together into a smartphone and now you only need one device. Yes, we're charging you more than all of those single devices combined, but you don't need any of those other devices. So mm -hmm. you could be like, everybody needs a laptop or a computer or whatever. Well, you're getting a computer and a, a, and a gaming machine all in one. Like you don't need any of that stuff anymore. You don't need a PC. You don't need any of that. You've got it all in one. And it, yeah, it would market itself pretty well, I think. And very much like you're saying, it wouldn't compete with Sony. It'd be its own thing off in but while also competing with sony so it's yeah it's an interesting one yeah because sony's always going to do their own thing they're they're really really good at designing the actual physical hardware they're really good at min maxing price performance and they're just going to launch the ps5 i'm pretty confident you know with you know that I, I'm not sure there's that Samurai game Sucker Punch is making that made infamous. I think that might actually be a PS5 game and they just haven't told anyone. And then they're going to launch with, you know, Grand a new Gran Turismo because that hasn't come out for a while. They're going to launch with uh, Horizon 2. They could launch with a new Kill Zone because they have two teams working on that stuff. They could launch. I forgot what, oh, and I'm pretty sure they're going to launch with Spider-Man 2, which I guess is the best-selling superhero game ever. Yeah. And, they, and that there's just no competing directly head-to-head -head with that anymore. Like, they're just going to launch with these exclusives, and it's going to be really good price performance. And that's it. But what you can do, like we've been talking about over and over, is just, man, make the ultimate optimized gaming windows box and people will buy that and sure you know you know the big problem with the comp comp comparing an xbox to a playstation is oh the library is so much better on playstation and it is and people buy stuff for games they don't buy a box for for, for a brand <laughs> well, some people do they buy it for the games that they're going to play on it so you can be well you know what yeah they've got all their brands but we've got the entire back catalog of pc <laughs> You know what I mean? It's, well, yeah, and I don't know if Microsoft forgot this at one point, but their company makes Windows. <laughs> so yeah, maybe exactly. you leverage all those games, genius. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Instead of segmenting it and then shoving, I could do a whole rant on window games for Windows Live. My God, yeah. that was yeah. the most insane thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, and and in fact, more things that make me think they're going to do this type of stuff is I know they were considering Zen 3 for future-proofing it so that they could just have only upgradable graphics cards in the future. And I also know that now, I've heard recently that it's a lot weaker than the PS5, but I'm pretty sure it's because they're talking about the PS5 Pro, that the PS5 is actually going to launch with a diskless PS4 5 Slim and a Pro at launch. But the reason they would be okay with it being weaker is if it had an upgradable graphics card and if it just ran Windows. So again, yeah, you can use this for all this other stuff. That'd be the only way they would consider doing that. I think I think pick your poison. I think uh, Microsoft's a bigger company than Sony. And I think that... Uh, that yeah, well, they're you know, a smaller company, but they're worth more money. Yeah, okay, right. right, right. Well, that's, they, they make more profit because they sell things that aren't physical. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but um, they, uh, the issue with this is like, nobody knows how powerful the consoles are going to be. Everybody, I think they're both going to be about as powerful as each other. Uh, and like, it's going to be essentially the gaming PC I have sitting on my desk, plus or minus 30%. I think, you know what I mean? So I have an RX 5700 XT, 32 gigabytes of RAM and uh, 3700X. And the chip itself, the actual CPU will have less cash because that saves die area. So it'll have less cash. It'll have half the cash, but that won't really really matter. Won't matter, especially if you're only going after 60 frames per second, which maybe that's what they're going after. 60 frames per second, uh, 4K. But well, Sony's actually targeting 120. 120. Yeah, but it's that for their rendered. VR device. Is that checkerboard rendered or you, you don't you just No, no, don't. no. No, no, no. They want to use full 1440p per eye for the next PS5. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm I, I'm going to be honest. What I understand is that the PS5 there's going to be a PS5 Pro and that it's actually going to blow away everything you anyone here has right now is what they're saying. And it's just like deal with it. <laughs> there's like two Xboxes as well though, isn't it? There was going to be three, but now there's two. So Yeah, so there will be a I think, and I again, I, this is something that anyone who listened to the last podcast that comes out soon after actually me and Paul are recording this will know, as I talk about how I believe they're going with a custom Navi die that's 320-bit, 20 gigabytes of RAM, 4 gigabytes of DDR4 in the background for background tasks, and that that should be about a, I, I think it could be around a 2080 Ti in performance. And then they're going to have a diskless one that's a cut-down version of that because it makes sense, actually, to have a cut-down PlayStation if it's on 7 nanometer. And then that will be about the same CPU. The same CPU, so the devs don't have to worry about that. And maybe 256-bit, so now it's 16 plus 4, so 20 gigabytes of RAM total instead of 24. And what they would do is they would say, this one is if you still have a 1080p TV, or if you want to play in 4K at you know, or or if you want to play in 1440p on a 4K TV, this one is for those people that really do want the full 4K 60 mm-hmm. and yeah, a Blu-ray player. Oh, I was thinking about that before. And by the way, um, I also agree with the power of the new the next generation consoles. I think that they're going to be faster than a 5700 XT. People lose their minds when I say that because somewhere yeah. they see Navi Light, which is not even confirmed. We don't even know if that's real. And they're like, it's, it's going to be Navi Light. Navi Light means, well, that could be Navi 20 Light. You don't know. <laughs> so like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, you know what I mean? So th- this is- The, the original PS4 dev kits had a 6670 and a 
APU in it. And I don't know why they did. That was such a weird dev kit. And then they ended up using a 7870 or a customized one, you know? So like it's, the, the, they had dev kits before GCN was really out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't understand the, the I'm like, it, it, they, you have it from the company themselves. They're not using GCN, they're using Navi. Therefore, when they say 12 to 13 teraflops is the number they're targeting, that is, that is, and by the way, my 5700 XT is peak 10 teraflops. So peak, uh, it's actually more like nine and a half or something. So they're going for, to be 30% faster than my graphics card. If you don't know where that puts it, it puts it about the same <laughs> as the 2080 Ti. You cabbage. So I, I find myself fighting with these people all the time. I'm sure you do as well. But that's yeah. that's the you know that's the problem. It is going to be that fast, and people don't want to believe this. You know, and both 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 companies have pretty much come out and said that's the number they're targeting is twelve to thirteen teraflops, of which computer. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is double what they're doing now. It's a well, massive upgrade. Well, some of this comes from I believe there are PS5 dev kits out now, and they do have an immense amount of bandwidth. But I heard they use 1.8 gigabit per second GDR6 in the dev kit, which is, you know, 20% faster than what's in most cards now. But my understanding is it has 16 gigabytes of RAM as well. And everyone's like, confirm 16 gigabytes. And I'm like, no, they, they, don't, they don't have the card ready that the PS5 and Xbox 2 is going to use. So what they're probably using is a 5700 XT with the fastest GDR6 they can put on it, and they're making it a 16-gigabyte card instead of an 8-gigabyte card, and that's just the best dev kit they can make for the next six months. So that's probably what the dev kit is. Yeah, or the dev kit could be, like, because GCN is essentially RDNA, they're using the same instruction set, just RDNA is you're going to be able to future-proof. The dev kit could be running uh, 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 Radeon 7. Yeah, I heard the Xbox one actually had a Radeon 7. <laughs> yeah, it could be using a Radeon 7. We don't know. But like, this is the things that people like to think because they see these numbers and they can relate them to other things. We know nothing other than what we've been told. And pretty much the confirmed parts are 8 cores, Navi part, six, uh, 12 to 13 teraflops of compute performance. They're the confirmed, and ray tracing. They're the, confu- they're, they're the confirmed console news. Everything else, fluff. And they can change things at the last minute. They can't change the overall design. But like, if the rumor comes out that it's going to have a terabyte of storage, they can just make it too at the last minute. They can just buy a different hard drive. Same with the RAM. The PS4 originally was going to have four gigabytes of RAM total. At the last minute, they were like, no, 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 we definitely need eight. So if they wanted to, they could just decide to give it 32 gigabytes of GDR6 at the last minute to win some kind of performance war. You know, you don't know what either of them is going to do at the last minute. We know though, like, yeah, like you say though, the you know twelve to fourteen ish teraflops. That's probably not changing. That's yeah. probably fixed. Yeah, that's their fix. That would be in, at a meeting about two years ago. They sat mm-hmm. down with with AMD and they said we want to do four K. We want to do four K sixty or four K one hundred and twenty or fourteen forty P one hundred and twenty. I want to be clear. Four K sixty for most games. I think Sony's going to try to have four K one twenty on like some games. Yeah. I'm sure they'll have an AK game too. There's AK mo- TVs now. I'm sure they'll have an indie title running at eight K. I do not expect Horizon two to run at eight K, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then AMD came back and said, "Well, look, this is what we've got. This is how we can offer you that, and this is the price." And Sony went, "Well, that's the price. Well, we obviously not getting that that speed. So maybe." We will downplay our expectations a little bit. And at some point, about two years ago, they they came to an agreement at where the performance was going to sit. And now we're seeing that going to be realized. And the only way that won't be realized is if 
AMD missed their targets. So in other words, their chips are not yielding as well or whatever, and they're going to have to charge more money or, you know, take a loss, whatever. That's the only way it will, it will change. But right now, it's probably going to be 12 to 14 teraflops. You know, I actually have a good reader mail question that fits in perfectly with what we're talking about now. Queen Bean 5G asks, I'm probably beating a dead horse here on the Navi release window, but if I recall correctly, Tom, you think Navi, big Navi is coming soon, but Paul has been saying it's coming late 2020 or 2021. The latest RDNA 2.0 roadmaps show still in design. I'm hesitant to believe they'll let another year pass without something, but I think he's right. This would be an interesting thing for us to talk about. So I guess, I don't know, I'll let you go first. When do you think big Navi? And remember, I think there's two more tiers of Navi coming. So when we big Navi can mean anything. Well, this is the thing that people want to want to want to pin me to, and um, they don't. <laughs> they, then they don't listen to what I actually said. What I said was that fifty seven hundred is a strange number. Do you not agree? There is a fifty eight hundred. Then there's a fifty nine hundred. Mm-hmm. Then then we have actually confirmed. Uh, you know, you know, words from in AMD which say. Uh, we are going when we change to a new tier of of architecture. In other words, GC, uh, RDNA 2.0, we will change the first letter, so the uh, first number. So the first number will change when they go to RDNA, RDNA 2.0. Mm. And I think RDNA 2.0 is going to be Navi 20, whatever that is, right? Yeah. Um, but there's, I I believe very wholeheartedly that like like you were knocking around a while ago. This is not Navi 10. This is Navi 12. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Chris was saying, I think that they're, they're debating everybody with Navi 12. Navi 12 is actually going to be a big die. I think that there's more in the oh, tank. Hmm. I think that there's more. <laughs> I think there's more in the tank of 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 uh, RDNA uh, 1.0, and I think there's more going to come. I on agree, that. and that's going to come after they launch the small cards. So they're going to launch the small cards, clear up their inventory of the the you know the the RX 580s and all that kind of stuff. And once that's cleared, they'll launch the small cards next quarter, maybe. And then maybe the quarter after that, when we're talking about CES, because there is going to be a CES announcement. You know, there's going to be a big CES announcement. Then you might get things like APUs and a new GPU announced there. Then it might come between maybe quarter three, or quarter two and quarter three. And then I think we're not going to see RDNA 2.0 till 2021. I, don't, I, just, I just think that's going to be the absolute curb stomping unbelievable one with ray tracing and the one with ray tracing I don't think is going to come Chris could completely disagrees with me by the way I watched the video mm-hmm. but yeah uh, I think the one with, with ray tracing is going to come uh, in 2021 and we'll see look we, we, me and Chris could have a side bet or whatever but we'll see who's right but I think 2021 is ray tracing but I think there is going to be a faster card and all they have to be is 30% faster to beat the 2020 <laughs> this is not that hard you know that's interesting uh, I actually did think about it too after I saw that question last night you know like when I was prepping for this. And I like that idea though, because that, that'd be funny if they switched around Navi 12 and Navi 10 and they debated. That's a really interesting idea because we know there was just a leak that Navi 14 is coming in October and Navi 12 is also in the driver set. How funny would it be is <laughs> if they're like, oh yeah, also this is coming out in a month. Uh, surprise. And like you say, uh, I think a lot of people think that I think ray tracing Navi is coming this year. I Maybe I said that, but the more I think about it, no, I think what I said is we know there's the 5800 XT, and I'm pretty confident that's just going to be a 60 CU 384-bit 
you know, bigger Navi. And by the way, that's 50% more than Navi. Even if they don't scale it perfectly, that should easily be right up there at the 2080 Ti with 12 gigabytes of RAM. And there's no reason that can't come out now. And I always thought that was funny also with people going, I don't think AMD can launch a big Navi card yet. And I'm like, guys, Radeon 7's been out since 2018, actually. <laughs> and if you do the math on the die size, a 64, you know, a between, a, who knows what they'll go with, a between 56 to 60 feet, 64 CU Navi would be about the same amount of die space as Radeon 7. So they can make it whenever they want. Whenever they want to make a 384-bit Navi, that can come. And I don't, I'm not convinced. I think that would, I agree with you that that's going to be RDNA 1.0. And I think RDNA 2.0 is the 5900, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it will be called the 60, whatever, 6800. And yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know that that's coming right away. I, I don't know either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like Chris went into uh, the way consoles launched last generation and all that kind of stuff. And I, I go watch his video. He puts out a very compelling argument. I know I'm just saying to everybody else, go watch his video. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it, it's about... Always oh, like comparing RDNA to GCN's history or predicting RDNA's future with GCN's history. I think that is yeah, what it was yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was what I was saying was like, you know, if you look at the the the, uh, the Xbox One X, that used, Polar that used Polaris, but it was launched way after Polaris. So it, both of us are kind of right and I'm probably more wrong. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Dude, I, I'm going to be honest. I think Chris sometimes has blinders by only talking about Xbox. He needs to look at PlayStation. <laughs> PlayStation yeah. had effectively Navi a year, I mean, uh, Vega a year before it came out. And that's where my whole argument's coming from right now because yeah. I actually listened to your argument from Queen Bean, you know, the other night. And I was like, you know, Paul has an interesting point that it could come out in 2021. And here's why. PS4 Pro came out in 2016. It had FP16 and a lot of Vegas features. Yeah. Rapid pack math. Yeah. yeah, that came out a year before Vega did. And to compare... To compare AMD's plans to what they were 10 years ago, they were a different company. They are mm -hmm. a console-first-for-gaming company now. And so mm, it wouldn't surprise me if RDNA 2.0 was on console first. They did the same thing with the PS4 Pro. Yeah, or or if uh, I think with, with, with what what they did actually with the with the console is it wasn't really Vega, it was semi custom, so it was Polaris yes. with Vega features, Vega silicon mm -hmm. slapped into it. Yeah, so, it wasn't yeah. literally Vega. Yeah, yeah. So what they could do with this one is have RDNA 1.0 with some 2.0 features slapped onto it, and then we get the full 2.0 as as we move down the roadmap. Uh, but uh, if you want to know the die size of of what a 56 or 64 CU uh, Navi would be, it's about 351 millimeters squared, yep. which is tiny. That's very mm -hmm. mid-range, very mid-range. And that's a 60 CU. Uh, it's slightly bigger because the dual compute units take up yeah. more transistors. But yeah, it, it's, it's slightly bigger. So yes, 351 millimeter squared is very, very usable. RDNA 2.0 could be 500 millimeter squared on a very mature 7 nanometer process or on 7 nanometer EUV. But Which makes anyway. sense. Yeah. But if you look at the way um, the way AMD have said openly they're doing their process is they use desktops as pipe cleaners. So AMD's GPU on 7 nanometer EUV will come as a pipe cleaner on 7 nanometer, 7 nanometer EUV. And that could be late next year or 2021 because that's when 7 nanometer EUV is kind of ramping up for GPUs, isn't it? Well, it's technically it's technically ramping up now, I think, actually. I think no. they're doing risk reduction now. Well, they're not ramping up with like real, yeah. Yeah, the Apple processor is on that. I mean, I mean, ramping up as in for AMD stuff, it'll be ramping up 
Yeah. For, for uh, Milan and, uh, you know, next generation Navi and that kind of stuff near the, near the kind of, because if you look... Well, no, I think it might actually be early next year because I think Zen 3 uses it. And I know that that's design complete. And again, everything I've seen about Zen 3 is that that will be ramping up mid next year. So I don't know for sure, right? We don't know. We don't know for sure when any of this will ramp up, but I think it could be sooner than we would expect, but not for their GPUs though. Because again, these chiplets are tiny. They're much easier to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they said, they, they openly said that Navi was a pipe cleaner for the... Con- this Navi that we're seeing right now was a pipe cleaner for the process. So the 5700 XT mm-hmm. was a pipe cleaner to see how well... And they and they, they actually used... Well, and Vega was. Yeah, they used, they used um, um, MI50 and MI60 as a pipe cleaner for, mm-hmm. for, for 7 nanometer. So if you want to talk about there, there you go. That's, that's going to be your big Navi 1.0, I'd say. <laughs> there you go. So, but yeah, uh, there's two bigger Navis. And I'm going to be honest, after hearing your argument, I think the argument for RDNA 2.0 coming out in 2021 actually makes a lot of sense when I consider what's happened before. So I, I guess the point I'm making is don't assume because the PS5's coming out and the next Xbox, which again, I feel like Chris always says Xbox. I almost always say PS5. It's very clear which <laughs> consoles we owned. Yeah. But it's like, I try to remember what Microsoft did as well. And you can't forget that Sony got FP16 before anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I think they could get that again um, with, I, I think, that I, and again, it's not going to be just because the PS5 has ray tracing doesn't mean it's going to have RDNA 2.0. Like you say, it's going to be I, again, what I've seen is 320-bit. That's not any card they're putting on PC. That's some custom. They just decided, you know, we need 20 gigabytes of RAM. We don't need 24, and it's a little cheaper. We can save 40 bucks on RAM by just giving them 20. So they go with 320-bit, and then they decide to add some of the ray tracing features from RDNA 2.0. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And if you want to look at uh, how fast it's going to be, just take... Uh, <laughs> what you've got now and add 35%. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you know, that's, that's basically how fast it's going to be. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to add, what? No, no, it could be even faster because if you think it's 40, it could be. it's a 60% increase in compute units. So it could be 50% faster. Interesting. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Which means um, it could be beating a 2080 Ti. And and you can just see them announcing it, right? And just like, here is our console. And they might even literally go, here's a 2080 Ti. Here's us running, you know, and they'll bring out like a Battlefield 5 dev and they'll like run the ray tracing on it. And they'll be like, check out, you know, and then they'll say $500 or $550. And then they'll drop the mic and then they'll be like, you know what? And here's the cheaper one uh, also in case you don't want a disc player. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I think that people are, they like to, I think, I think, what I find is a lot of people, I've said this in, in, in different podcasts, um, a lot of people uh, have a fight or flight response in their head when it comes to something that disagrees with the way they, the way they think. So if something challenges your, your, your thoughts on reality, you tend to go, I either agree with you, I'm open to thinking that way, or I'm going to run away from this conversation, or I'm going to fight you. And usually they, they try and fight you. I find in com- when people who type in comment sections, I don't want... Yeah, it's just instantly swearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, they're like, nah, you're wrong. PCs are always going to be more powerful. You don't understand. They're just always going to be more powerful. You, you can't, There's no way this is... Co- like, I have a guy who uh, is actually a friend of mine now, uh, but he, he's, he was a member of my Discord. By the way, I deleted my Discord for anybody who deleted it as a dumpster fire. But uh, yeah, um, 
So um, basically, he's a friend of mine, and he went on and he told me, he was like, he was so angry at me for my video on talking about what future uh, console performance could be. And um, he's like, there's no way it's going to be. And I was like, but dude, the Xbox One X is already 6.2 teraflops yeah, of yeah. performance. And he's like, there's no way it's going to be like a, an RX 590 level performance. I'm like, but it's yeah. already there. <laughs> yeah, it's already basically there. Yeah, uh, it's there. There's there's Oh, my God. Yeah, there's no <laughs> world where they would want. I mean, even the Xbox One launch console was, I think, woefully underpowered for what it should have been. And even that was, even after a long console gen, like six times better than the 360, like uh, they are not going to settle for anything less than quadruple the performance. It won't be quadruple the teraflops, but it will be a significant, it's a significantly better architecture than Polaris's. Yeah, so well, if you look at this card, this card, the 5700 XT is 10 teraflops. It is about 30% faster than a 12.5 teraflop GCN card. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Well, by the way, I also understand this fighter fight response because when I first heard the PS5 Pros, which now I know I think it is the Pros specs a year ago, I was initially like, that seems weird. But instead, that was one of my first videos as I was actually ranting at other tech tubers who just disregarded this leak. And I'm like, here's my problem. You guys have a leak about the PS5 that suggests it's 320-bit, has eight CPU Zen 2 cores, which anyone could have guessed that, but and all this other stuff. And they instantly went 320-bit, this is stupid. And I'm like, but did you look at the other information? This is the same forum where leaks usually come from. And this is from a source that perfectly called, I believe, the Xbox One and the Wii U specs two years before they came out. So you're just not even going to consider his argument? And then I thought about it and I'm like, well, the GTX 570 was a 320-bit card. There's no reason you can't have a 320-bit card. And then I thought about it like, oh, you know, that's probably perfect because then you have like 10 gigabytes, 8 gigabytes of VRAM for the for the uh, textures, and then you'll have left over another like eight to 10 for, you know, to 12 for the uh, running the actual game engine, which we know they need at least 12 gigabytes for the game engines of the future. And, oh, well, they could probably, you know, then I just ran through it and I'm like, actually, I think this seems like a perfectly obvious performance target for them. And, you know, you just, instead of immediately disregarding it, you got to go, is there any part of this that makes sense? And I was like, well, this leaker has been right two times in a row, so we should probably take him seriously. No matter what it says it's going to be, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, he's been right twice. Mm. Like, go back and watch the videos of people talking about what they thought Zen 2 was going to be and how many people <laughs> said, like, when Jim did his leak about the... Like, by the way, I still think Jim's leak was absolutely completely... Me completely too. spot on. I just think they didn't get the frequencies that they wanted on the process or, yeah. or they're keeping them, yeah. <laughs> uh, one or the other. But, uh, yeah, I think it's spot on. We're, we're hearing about Ryzen. We're hearing about Ryzen 5, 6 cores without hyper-threading. We're here, you know, and they're going to be cheap. They're going to be, like, 120 Like, we're, we're hearing about all this stuff. We know that the, the 38 800x was going to be a 3700x but yeah. just because they wanted to charge a 50 quid more they changed the name but like these people were like there's no way there's going to be a 16 core desktop it's just not going to happen 12 core is not even going to happen it's going to be eight cores again there's just no way it's going to happen <laughs> these are like people who are millions of subscribers genuinely millions of subscribers and they're like no no it's not going to happen and while <sighs> we're all saying it's going to happen AMD are all about being disruptive this is how it can work chiplet designs are great and this is you know and 
people just don't want to listen to it. They just, they, 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 no, in my head, that doesn't make sense. That's not what Intel always gave us. So therefore it doesn't make sense. And, you know, whereas you can look at what AMD, AMD were on eight cores, arguably eight cores, um, <laughs> you know, in 2013 or whatever. So they, they've, eight cores them is, is old news. They wanted to push the boundaries and go further and they have, you know. Yeah, it was really frustrating for me because I'm like, I, I got mad at these Again, right? Like, I went on a whole rant about the PS5 leak because I couldn't believe how quick people were to dismiss something that I thought after thinking about it was clearly probably true. It's the same thing with Zen 2, like you say, where do you wait? wait, wait so, you actually think AMD is just going to go to another set of eight cores? That, that sounds ridiculous to me. That wouldn't, if I was in a boardroom in AMD and they're like, how about eight cores again? <laughs> like, I, I can't imagine anyone raising their hand and saying that. Like, it doesn't, and you're doubling density on seven nanometer. You don't think they'll even add a couple cores? Like, this sounds ridiculous to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, it, and it, clearly, uh, we didn't know about the chiplet design back then, but we could see the, the kind of the the genesis of it in 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 um, Threadripper. So it was already we see the genesis of it in Threadripper, and it's just it's an excellent architecture done very well, and it's a smart use of silicon, and it's a smart use of I I love the way they use the twelve nanometer process for their their uh, IO die because they have to buy silicon from from global foundries. They're mm-hmm. wrapped into that. So they, before people don't know this, but before when they were when they when they when they weren't selling thirty for thirty uh, uh, sorry eighty three fifties. When they weren't selling them, if they couldn't sell them, they were giving them away because they were writing a check to Global Foundries for, for a certain mm-hmm. amount of wafers every single year. When they made Zen, uh, they were when they made Zen one, they they were happy because they were using Globfo's 40 nanometer process, which meant that if as long as they can sell those, they're buying, they had to buy a certain amount of them. Now they've negotiated down all the time, but still, mm-hmm. if they were going to move to seven nanometer on TSMC, they would have to buy, let's say, Three billions worth of I don't know what the number is. Three billions worth of silicon from Global Foundries, regardless of what they were using. So the fact that they've used this chiplet design is incredibly good, uh, smart engineering that they can still fit in that uh, you know that Glowfo silicon and it saves them money in the long run. Well, and on the topic of Global Foundries, I think a lot of people keep getting stuck on that too, where it's like, well, AMD has to do this because they have to use have to use Global Foundries. Well, they don't have to use them for seven nanometer. And like you say, their contracts keep get renegotiated down and down and down more and more. Every year, there's like a new announcement of like now, you know, now they only need this much or this little. And they, Global Foundries isn't useless. Like they've talked about this before, that there's kind of a price floor that they can go to in Zen 2 because it actually does cost more money to make cheaper chips out of Zen 2 because of the expensive process. of Now, obviously, they're way cheaper to make ex- powerful chips, but the super cheap ones, they're still probably going to keep using some of the processes from Global Foundries for certain things. And I know they're working on a sister Zen architecture now that's basically their Jaguar and Bobcat replacement. And it's going to be a monolithic die. I hope it has six cores because that'd be really cool if they made like a tiny little monolithic APU that had six cores built in. And that can just use their 12 nanometer non-FinFET because Global Foundries now has 12 nanometer FDX. And it's not as dense, obviously, as... TSMC 7 nanometer, but I believe it's 80% as efficient at the same clock speeds. So I'm like, perfect. And they can use that for the 5500 XT if they want. Not everything needs to be in a 5800. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you can see they're already using silicon still from, you know, the new 
turret, what's it? The new APUs are yeah, 12 nanometer. 12 nanometer. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it's clever boxing by AMD and it's it's use of what they have to use or what they don't want to use or whatever. It's clever. And I think it's, yeah, it's the future. It, like the future is obviously chiplets and that's the future of, of chips for the next five years or so. And then it's going to go on to 3D stacking maybe. Yeah, and just because the... Zen 3 supposedly is all 7 nanometers. Supposedly, they're die shrinking the I.O. that soon. They could shrink it to 12 nanometer FDX. That's just a more efficient I.O. die. Or again, they're not just going to make Zen 3. I think Adored talked about this, how there's a suggestion. They're going to, I mean, first of all, they have to keep making Zen 1 because they won contracts with uh, Amazon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so they're going to keep making those Epic chips for a while. So there will probably continue to be some Threadripper 1.0s made uh, that they can just have as their budget options down there. And the same is going to be true of their 12 nanometer plus process. The same is going to be true. They can just decide, you know what? These chips are made on Global Foundry's 12 nanometer. We filled up the wafers because they just don't need to be on 7 nanometer. Mm -hmm. By the way, I was listening to your last podcast with Dan. And um, I was listening, was it, no, it was Dan or Chris, I can't remember who it was. And it was, you were talking about the clock speed debacle. And I just wanted to touch base with you on the clock speed debacle. You know, the debacle. Oh, right. Which I think we talk about it again in one that comes out in a few days. Yeah. yeah. Um, sure. What do you want to talk about oh, that? I want to I want to talk about a couple of things. Number one, um, I don't think it was as bad. I think people think, like I clarified every single video I did on it with saying these are amazing products, these are wonderful, blah, 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 blah. My problem is that it says 4.4 gigahertz on the box and I get 4.2 gigahertz. That's my problem. We talked about that offline a little bit too a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was my issue. Like, you know, 4.2 gigahertz is not 4.4 gigahertz. And it doesn't matter. I don't care if I seen it for a second. I'd be like, okay, right, marketing done. Yeah, done this job. Uh, you know, uh, but my my issue with the thirty six the thirty nine hundred X is that um, it actually has two CCDs, and one of those yeah. CCDs is garbage six cores, and one of them is excellent six cores. Yeah, you said that. I know Steve disagreed that that's true, or at least that it's true to the extent he thought you suggested it. I actually haven't looked too much into it because I don't. I don't see it as a big deal to me because they didn't lie. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not. It's not that they're lying. I, I just want to like, like I get an awful lot of flack for for, for when 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 Zen launched. I I said it's a little bit too expensive, and people went, "What do you mean it's a little bit? You get twelve cores for five hundred quid? Oh my god!" Blah blah blah, and um. I was like, you don't. Well, it's more than it was gonna be. That's true. They were gonna charge less. Yeah, and this is back to Adore's Adore's leak. As as I said, this is why I think Adore was right, and prices can change. By the way, just 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 this is true. Um, I can't say for definite because I don't know for definite, but I'm more than almost one hundred percent. The RTX cards price was decided in a back room before Jensen went out on stage. Do you have something that suggests that that they literally decided the last minute? I've I've somebody who uh, it's not a friend of a friend. It's just somebody who just went. Yeah, basically that was decided. That was decided on the night where the prices was. So prices can change right up until launch, and yeah. and um. If you look at the way uh, a thirty, so the AMD are selling you a thirty thirty six hundred, and they're selling you a thirty six hundred for two hundred quid, right? Two hundred dollars, selling you two hundred dollars. The only increase in in price for them to sell you that and sell you a thirty nine hundred X is adding one extra CCD, whereas 
uh, you know, making an eight core part, mm-hmm. it, you need to put a new chiplet IO, you know, all this kind of stuff. So the only increase in price from going from six cores to 12 cores is adding one extra CCD. So it only costs them whatever the price of that CCD is to upgrade you to the 12 core mm-hmm. part. So it's not actually as more expensive as people would believe to make a 12 core part than it is to make a six core part. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, I have no issue with the way they're doing it. It's, as I said in my video, it's very smart binning. It's very intelligent the way they're doing it. But I wanted to everybody to know that for yeah. their, uh, you know, for their for their information that as long as one core on both of those CCDs, only one core out of both of those CCDs, not a cr- not on both, but just one core out of out of those CCDs has to hit four point six gigahertz, and that's a tw- that's a thirty nine hundred X bin. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and I know me and Dan are going to talk about this again on the podcast coming out, but I don't think I ever said you by name. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I, I saw your video and I'd already talked to you on yeah. Discord about yeah. it. So I already knew what your opinion was. But I saw, the only thing I can say is maybe people are jumping at you because your thumbnail had tons of exclamation points. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But it, what I will say is that um, it, they are fantastic products and they do perform really well. Um, and I just didn't like the marketing of the the the, the guy going up with his you know the video that was launched between three uh, you know yeah the, everyone yeah that was like that. that was garbage video <laughs> uh, the one where he's just because people can't see us right now they the guy drawing on like a piece of glass in front of him and it yeah. was all bullshit <laughs> but um it, the thing that you also have to understand is that they've completely changed the way Boost works on 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 Zen two mm-hmm. um so Zen one every single core could hit. The, the turbo frequency. Every single core could hit 4.3 gigahertz, let's say, right? Every single one would share the load between them and the workload would could bounce around between cores and go up to 4.3 gigahertz, right? On Zen 2, what actually happens is that the reason why they've made this clever scheduler and they were all about this clever scheduler in, you know, oh, we've been really clever on how we're going to put, you know, a single threaded workload on one thread. And all. the reason why they did that is because only about two cores on those dies can hit that, that, uh, that uh, you know, boost frequency. So by doing that, uh, it kind of sounds clever and it kind of sounds like they're giving you value by, by, by uh, you know, doing the scheduler and all that kind of stuff. But it's the only way they can get that frequency is by loading it all, being intelligent and loading it all on the clever, on the, on the powerful cores, the, the best cores. And if you look in Ryzen Master now, there's little stars on your cores, on the cores that are the best cores on the, CC, on the CC, uh, CCX or CCD. So, uh, and you can see that was my issue. I, when I got my fix, so I fixed my clock speed. I got it to 4.4 gigahertz because of the ABA, ABBA uh, thing. You could see that it was loading. There's two cores, best core on CCD and then best core on chip. Uh, best core on CCX and best core on chip. And what was happening was my load was going on the best core on CCX2, but it wasn't going on best core on, CC, on, on the CCD. So as soon as I put ABBA on, I noticed that it was loading straight onto to. to to cores, yeah, you know, you know, the best core, and that instantly fixed my frequency problem. So, uh, it's it's clever, and it's clever the way they're binning it, and it's excellent. yeah. I was gonna say it really is a significantly better scheduling system than I think I've seen on any C times eighty six CPU before. The fact that it does know to put most, and I saw this in some recent stuff too. It literally does know to put the hardest to run single threaded task on the strongest core. It knows to do that inherently, which is interesting. Which is like half of the reason they can actually keep up with Intel at such lower clock speeds. And Tech Power Up tested the new BIOS, which you know fixes this. And 
they showed that it is always loading the first two cores with the hardest code and then the second two weakest cores with the next and then so on and so forth. Like the way Zen 2 works is actually, frankly, completely brilliant. It's what we've been waiting for, loading up the strongest core with the most stuff so it doesn't bog down the other ones. Yeah, I think the issue with this whole thing at the time was the fact that it was so different for every different user and different motherboard. And it is, yeah. And and but the, the what was really was really frightening to me was the thirty set the thirty nine hundred X, which is a five hundred quid chip. Only five percent of people were seeing the rated boost speed, um, which said that there was an inherent issue there, and it it got mm-hmm. fixed. And a fair fair play to them, they fixed it, and it's brilliant and it's amazing now. But I I I seen massive performance increases. As I said, I play StarCraft. And I seen it go from like 120, I can't remember exactly numbers, but it was like 20 frames per second average increase. Because That's it, nice. Yeah. Why not? And StarCraft's one of those games that will do that. Yeah, it's such a single threaded workload. It was amazing. Like my frame rate went up so quickly and so, and it stays much more stable as well. And um, my Cinebench score, I never broke 500. I broke 500. Uh, I never, you know, broke, I can't remember what the, like 3,000, 200 or 3,500 or whatever and I broke every score that you should be hitting with your chip because I've seen all these other reviewers seeing it and I hit all of those numbers the minute I put that so it is actually a performance increase it is about Mm -hmm. 3 to 5% performance increase and in in single threaded games it can be anywhere up to 20 frames per second yeah and I I think a lot of people and I'm not talking about you but like are kind of walking on eggshells when it comes to the boost clocks for two reasons number one everyone thought we were going to get 5 gigahertz so everyone's freaking out that it wasn't 4.7 it was 4.6 or 4.65 but also um, I think people may need to just consider and clearly you're talking about this now that this isn't, I think people are so used to everything working the same way because everything did work the same way with Intel for 10 years straight. Everyone knew here's the base clock, here's the boost clock, and every single chip, as long as you're willing to use a lot more energy, you can overclock even the non K Intel chips to just have the base clock be the boost clock. And that's just unlocked. You know, you can just make it all boost to that. And because AMD's no, there you're not getting the 3900X all core to 4.7 gigahertz. It's just not happening. You're not even getting it to 4.6 <laughs> or probably even 4.5. Well, the the inherent problem that people don't understand about IPC gain is as you increase the amount of IPC in a in a chip, you increase the amount of transistors. And if you increase the amount mm-hmm. of transistors, there are more transistors switching at different times. And the, the higher the IPC chip, that means the more transistors are switching at the exact same time, which means that there's more heat and more heat kind of becomes mm-hmm. a runaway train with chips because uh, more heat means that you, you your, your chip becomes less efficient, which means it gets hotter. And also the wires get narrower. And if you know anything about narrowing wires, that increases <laughs> resistance. And if you increase resistance, yeah. that increases heat. So the fact that we're on seven nanometer now and we actually got a clock bump at all is incredible. Yeah. And and people need to you know on a on a new node on a new architecture you got a clock bump it's it's frankly insane and I said that before I just I just don't like bad marketing I have a I have a bee in my bonnet about bad marketing and as I said if my box says four point four gigahertz on the top I wanted to have I want to see four point oh I agree with that <laughs> and I did notice that I just didn't I don't know I guess I just didn't get mad because I was like I I, I it's like I like I said. Uh, things work differently now. It seemed like, and also Steve Walton at 
hardware and box said that it really did depend on your motherboard that he had some motherboards with the same because he can afford to have a thousand motherboards and chips lying yeah around. yeah i don't think he can, I, I don't think he can afford it he's just mad about all this kind of stuff he's mad about testing and benchmarking he has to be to do the amount of testing he does like uh he has to be so at least one person is, is how I would, <laughs> because when I look at these other channels, they're so inferior. But like, yeah, he found that like he would take the same chip and it would never hit 4.7 gigahertz. And then he put it in like one Asus motherboard and all of a sudden it was. Mm -hmm. And so that's also a problem as well is that there's a lot of inconsistent, like he just straight up told me, I know you're looking at that ASRock uh, micro ATX motherboard for Threadripper, or not for Threadripper, for Zen 2. Don't. Because <laughs> it's running 10% worse than all of my other motherboards. I know you don't have a choice because that's the only micro ATX one out right now. But I'm just telling you, you shouldn't get an expensive chip for that thing. And so that's also been a confusing thing as well, which, you know, I, that's something AMD needs to get. I don't know. It's just... I think people need to under, uh, accept that when AMD talks about boost clock, it could mean something entirely different from Intel. It should hit that boost clock, though. I will agree. Uh, but it's it's just, we're not in the same world anymore where Intel's rules have to apply to AMD. And frankly, it's the same with TDP. AMD's TDP is how much energy it uses typically or close. Whereas Intel's is not. It, Intel's TDP, basically what they're saying is, oh, it's a 95-watt 8-core, and it'll throttle after 10 seconds, and we know it's going to throttle. But uh, it's a little misleading for them, too. What they're saying is that at the boost, at the base clock, it, it will it will generate 95 watts of heat. And what, AM, what AMD are saying is that under, under optimal conditions, this will perform this way as mm -hmm. long as you dis dissipate 100 and whatever, five watts of heat from the chip. So yeah, it's a completely different way of looking at, at, at the way. And I just think it's more honest from AMD the way they do it. Uh, I would agree. Yeah, but also I do agree that you have to you have to look, like a lot of people are fascinated by this five gigahertz thing and they get obsessed by it. And there are people out there who general, genuinely believe that a five gigahertz part is faster than a 4.5 gigahertz Zen 2 mm -hmm. part. And that is factually incorrect. It's, it's just it's just incorrect. Five point four four point five gigahertz from AMD and five gigahertz from in, Intel are different. It's just different, mm -hmm. you know. Well, they do, it doesn't need to be five gigahertz anymore because Tech Power Ups test showed that after the newest update with their motherboards that work, the thirty nine hundred X is boosting the first core. They actually said on average to four point seven five gigahertz, and for a whole second, a whole second, it was hitting four point seven five on the first core, and then on two on the on the second core, that one would get to four point six five, and then on the third and fourth cores, those those were going to four point six. And then the rest of the cores were about 4.4. Maybe there was one bad core at 4.2. But it doesn't need to be at 4.7 gigahertz all-core turbo. Because the only reason we were clocking all cores to 5 gigahertz is so single-threaded code could never get screwed up. But if AMD can schedule it correctly, having two cores run at 4.7 is just as good as all of them running 4.7 in most game engines. That's exactly it. Because as I said before, with Zen, 4, Zen, uh, Zen 1, you would see it bounce around chips. You would see your load bounce around chips. And if you hit a bad core that maybe only boosted to 4.25 gigahertz, well, then you're going to see a 50 megahertz decrease in your performance. But now you're getting it all loaded exactly on the core that you want it to be loaded on. And that's always going to hit your, your single core boost speed. So uh, you're going to see 20 frames per second better in StarCraft. It's just, it's just the, the, you know, the issue I was seeing before. And this issue is fixed and it's excellent. And um, yeah, it's just I just I just pet peeve that people people say that five gigahertz for some reason because it's a bigger number is faster. It's not. It's, uh, absolutely not in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Well, I'll let you get to the couch then. I'm sure we'll do it again. I had a lot of fun. Definitely. Me too. Talk to you later, man. All right. Peace.
Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is predominantly brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Law is Dead. You can find all my content, including videos, articles, and this podcast at www.moreslawsdead.com. And of course, it is also often co-hosted by my brother, Dan. And it is edited by my sound engineer, Gerard Cortez. You can find his contact information at www.moreslawsdead.com. You can also find the contact information of my article editor, Carbon Cry. Now, of course, if you want to keep the show running, I really do hope you rate me on your podcasting platform of choice, share it with your friends, and if you have the money, but only if you do, consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Law is Dead. If you do, you get access to the Discord to talk to other enlightening people who work not just at AMD, not just at NVIDIA, but often in the server space and other computing areas that people often overlook. And of course... If you support it, you can get access to reading these people's names that keep the show running. But without further ado, let me give thanks to my greatest supporters. Of course, first, a huge thank you to Paul at Not An Apple Fan. You can, of course, find his YouTube channel, Not An Apple Fan. He also has a Twitter, Not An Apple Fan, sometimes abbreviated N-A-A-F. Thank you for coming on, Paul. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. And... Of course, now thank you to my net burst 10 gigahertz or higher producer tiers on September 22nd, 2019. Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Thomas Paraj, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Mohammed Al-Kawari, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Colm Marco, Otterwise Tech, Thyrister, The Ninth Dude, Greg Renegar, Kulin Lau, Daniel Cash, Night Rogue 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo King Kilo, Bollocks, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, Frederick Lau, Alexander Dolar, Alatheros Talos, Caden, Greg T. Wanchek, Jacob Barber, X Sodi, and Whiny Care Bear. Thank you, everybody. And of course, thank you to Sahara for this music. Mm-hmm.